The following audio is from Park Church in Denver, Colorado. More information about Park Church is available online at parkchurchdenver.org. Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Psalms, Psalm 27, verses 1 to 5. That's Psalm chapter 27, verses 1 to 5. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent He will lift me high upon a rock. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Tiana. Good morning, Park Church. Good to see many of you, and many of you are also tuning in at home. My name is Neil. serve as the Director of Formation and Missions here at the church. And uh, we're feeling Advent, at least those of you in the building are feeling like the come now long-awaited boiler to kick on. It broke again uh, this morning, so we got it rebooted, and we're, we're getting heat slowly, uh, working its way through the building. Um, but yeah, we're, we're wrapping up our series in Advent, you know, a season that, that has been termed as the, the time between. It's, it's meant to instruct our souls that, uh, yes, Christ has come, but, but we, we, we wait for all things to be made new. Now, we still feel the, the sense of incompletion. Now, we're still longing for more. And so over the past few weeks, we've looked at our longing for justice, our longing for relationship. Uh, last week, we looked at our longing for the spiritual or the transcendent, something beyond what we can kind of experience here and now. And this morning, we're going to look at uh, our longing for beauty. Uh, the, the fact that, that all of these things come together in the person and work of Jesus, the story that he is telling in the world. And so why don't I pray for us, and then we'll uh, jump in together. Well, Jesus, you are the satisfier of our longings. I may not always feel that way so easily. I know for myself I can get confused and distracted and, and self-deceived. Uh, but I pray for, for each of us, and no matter what uh, this past year has looked like, uh, maybe this past week or even last night, I ask that, that, that as we enter into this space, as we, we hear from your word, uh, please meet with us in, in really particular ways. Spirit, we recognize that you are here in this space, and you're, you're in the many different homes around the city, across this country, or elsewhere. Uh, you are with us, and we ask that uh, a sense of your presence, uh, that you're at work in us and through us, Uh, testifying to our identity in Jesus, the love of the Father, the light of the Father. May may that be something we we experience even now. And so please help us. Just 
just attune the ears of our hearts to, uh, to hear what is true, what is good, and what is beautiful, and how, the, how all of that comes together in you. Make that come alive for us this morning. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, on May 7th of this year, my wife and I welcomed our second child into the world, Asher Brooks. Um, as you may, thank you. But as you may recall, we were in the midst of, of lockdown and there was this you know, COVID-19 pandemic going on. Um, not a whole lot was different for us in the, the whole hospital experience. Um, you know, no visitors, which was kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time. Uh, the, the dad snacks, you know, down the hall, some of you guys may know what I'm talking about. Those were not a thing. You know, can just like go to the restroom multiple times, just go get more fig bars, whatever they have down there. Uh, that was not a thing. But other than that, it was more or less the same. But then we get home and, and we're, we're starting to figure out what life with four looks like, especially in a really strange world. And we're, we're trying to, to chip away at the baby book. Some of you maybe have a baby book uh, from growing up. Uh, maybe you've done one from your own child. It's, it's where the parents go through and best of our ability through sleepless nights and whatever else. Like here are the, the moments and the milestones that kind of capture, you know, your first year of life or the really ambitious, like the first five years of life. We're going we're gonna to hit all these. Um, then you get to those sections where it says, okay, now describe what the world is like when your child came into it. And my child was born in the year... 2020. My beloved son, Asher, was born in the year 2020. And so I'm trying to capture different elements. He was like, what's the, what's the price of a gallon of gas? I'm like, well, let's talk about a barrel of oil. Like below zero for a while, in fact. Whatever that means. I've had some friends try to explain it to me. Uh, this has just been a weird year. You know, the, the, we, we've had on a, on a family group me some different memes that have floated around. I feel like 2020 is the subject of many memes. Two of my favorites uh, one is 2020 as a scented candle, and it's a series of porta potties just lit on fire with the flames going up. Um, another one was uh, 2020's Elf on a Shelf just arrived, and the, the box has opened up a little bit, and you can see Chucky just sitting there staring back at you. I'm like, yeah, that's been the experience for a lot of us. Uh, 2020 can be uh, many different types of memes, but in all honesty, uh, this has been a tough year. Uh, we, we've walked through and are continuing to walk through a global pandemic. Uh, many people have died from this. All have been impacted. Uh, we've, we, we've seen racial tension on the rise in, in, in kind of new, fresh ways, heightened ways in our country. Uh, political tension uh, has, has been, I think, navigated with the most vitriol that I've ever experienced, or at least it's the most public, because you know, so much is done through social media, and that just kind of amplifies it even more. But I'd say those are, are probably just the most obvious. Uh, my my father-in-law served as an elder at his church back in Michigan, and uh, one of the other elders who is a, is a psychologist sent a list to the pastors at the, their church saying, hey, here's some other things that I'm seeing right now as a counselor uh, that we need to also pay attention to, and, and maybe some of these you can resonate with. Here, here are some of them. Business owners have suffered great loss for a variety of reasons. Jobs, incomes, and livelihoods have been cut and suffered much. Plans, relationships, aspirations have been postponed, undermined, and at times completely destroyed. The elderly and others are dying by themselves. People are burying loved ones via FaceTime, uh, which my wife just had to do uh, with her last living grandparent. 
uh, not two weeks ago. People needing surgeries or suffering from chronic pain or unable to receive medical care. Those who feel isolated feel even more so. Those with disabilities are suffering more stress disproportionately. Students struggle with online learning and parents feel ill-equipped to help and, and many can't even be home at all because they're, they're trying to maintain a job. Addictions have soared. Video games, pornography, alcohol, narcotics. There have been substantial increases in suicide, depression, anxiety, sexual abuse, child abuse, domestic violence, tantrums, panic attacks, murder, rape. And then there's the very real dimension of spiritual attack through and amidst all of this. And then we have the personal stories. The ones in this room, the ones at home, the ones that we're connected to, that, that, that overlap and connect with some of these things, but, but also we could add to this list with many more things of what this year has, has held for us. I think it's worth taking stock of the past year. I think we're collectively, as a society, as a world in many ways, I think we're going to be grieving this year, the year 2020, for, for years to come. I don't, I don't, I'm not even sure that process has begun yet. We've been able to begin. But I think on an individual, personal level, it's appropriate, appropriate for us to, to slow down a little bit and consider, where, where have we been over the past year? How has that impacted me? What's, what's going on inside of my own soul? What's been my experience of it? Well, as we do, as we, we try to make sense of the pain and the loss, whether it's something we've experienced personally and directly or something by extension or that's around us or just on our newsfeed or wherever else, it, it, there's an impulse in all of us. It's a really natural and appropriate impulse for us to, to try to make sense of these things, to, to pull the disparate pieces together and, and say, how do I move forward? Like, where, where is there meaning and purpose and direction and clarity and what's my identity within that? How do I make sense of all that is going on? I want some sort of coherence. And it's particularly when our life experiences, or the experiences of others, don't really fit into how we've seen the world. Like there've been certain assumptions we've made or ways of kind of navigating things that it can no longer accommodate the things we've experienced. Like it, it needs to stretch or change or be altered in some way. And I think for many of us, that's been this year. You know, it's no wonder that uh, Google's word of the year uh, is why. I don't know if you guys saw that came out just uh, maybe a week or so ago. Why? People are asking why more than ever. And that makes sense to us. I think we're all doing the same thing. And yet this is not so much an intellectual pursuit. I think we want answers that kind of satisfy us cognitively, like, eh, I get it now. But I think more than the, the mind, we want the soul to make sense of it. Kind of at a gut level, an experiential level, we want things to come together amidst the disorientation. And so what we're aching for, what we're longing for, I think in the midst of this, more than anything, is a true sense of beauty. A, a true sense of beauty within which we can relate to and kind of make sense of what's going on. Consider the things that we often describe as beautiful. Well, I just received my five pound of sweet bloom whole bean coffee uh, yesterday. 
uh, which is a commitment, I recognize, but if you've ever had Sweet Bloom, like you get it, you recognize more time at home, lots of coffee to drink. Uh, and if you guys have ever received one of those bags, you kind of open it up and flip it open and it, and it says right across there, welcome to your beautiful cup of coffee. If you don't believe me, don't believe them, try it. Um, th- this is not just a means to morning caffeine. It's not just a Hey, get, get, your cup of, get your fix for the morning. This is an invitation into something richer, something more meaningful. It's like, ah, I feel a little, like a little bit of a better person. It's not theologically true, but it's like I feel a little bit of a better person drinking my Sweet Bloom coffee um, this morning. But then we can become a little bit more substantial. What else do we say is beautiful? A sunset, a building, a painting, a song, home decor, display of Christmas lights, a person, a relationship, a lifestyle, a vacation spot, an act of kindness, a tender moment, a picture of restoration. And so many other things we'll describe as saying that that's beautiful. There's a beauty there that I'm seeing, that I'm experiencing, that I'm in relationship to. And perhaps the simplest way and and most obvious way of understanding the beautiful is is saying that it's something that attracts us. It's something that, that draws us in and compels us, and we want to get nearer to it. But I think there's more to it. I think we're actually expecting more of the thing that we say is beautiful than just like, oh, that, that's nice. Like, that, that attracts me. I think through beauty, through the things that we're drawn in by, we expect to be changed. Could be in really small ways, maybe in subtle ways. But whatever experience or interaction or relationship to the, the beautiful thing, we expect to be changed. And we see something. We relate to somebody. And we receive a certain kind of relationship or part of a certain friend group. or We experience something in our work that's beautiful. It draws us in and we expect to be different on the other side of it. We want to be transformed by it. And all of us, all of us have this longing. Even if we think, ah, I'm not that kind of aesthetically inclined. I'm more kind of rational in how I take in the world and process things. Like, it does not change the fact that that the human person has been made, has been wired to be drawn after beauty. That which would would take us in, and we have some sort of hope, some sort of expectation that will be transformed through it. We're swept into the characters of a novel, the storyline of a movie, the attractiveness of other people's lives, whether through Instagram or whatever else. And we're drawn in by a particular narrative of history that, that can seem to make sense of the present and also some sort of path for the future. We long for the beauty of being in a certain relationship with a certain pe- uh, person or group of people. We desire the storyline of, of a particular career or amount of money or freedom or autonomy. We long for aspects of another person's journey through life. We're, we're longing for a beautiful story, something that we can situate ourselves within, find meaning, find purpose, find some, some weight to it, find an identity within it, that helps us to navigate life. As author N.T. Wright has put it, we are all of us hardwired for beauty, searching for a deeper and richer meaning in a world that, that sometimes seems to overflow with delight, but at other times feels dreadful and cold. Beauty, the haunting sense of loveliness, the, the transient yet utterly powerful, stabs of something like love, but something more and different as well. We long for this beauty. We long to make sense of things. We we long to be a part of something that takes us somewhere. 
The trouble is, we've been sold a a really terrible storyline about where this beauty is found and how we move forward in it. Story goes something like this. You, oh human person, are basically good. What you desire is good on your own, like the aspirations you have, how you understand yourself on your own is, it's correct, it's largely correct. And so what's evil, what's bad is the other people that that are trying to prevent you from living into all the things that you desire, all the things that you want. Uh, Maybe it's a person or relationship or a set of people or uh, some sort of structural issue or a set of circumstances or difficulty or heartache or whatever else. Like that, that's where the evil lies. And what, what, what you need is, is space to kind of allow the, the pristine beauty within yourself to kind of break out into the world. And once you can do that, you can live a full and happy life. Well, there, there are whispers of truth and beauty in this story. Uh, we're made by a beautiful God who makes beautiful things. He's made us to image him in the world, which is also made beautiful. We're meant to, to represent God's character and to image him and to leverage our lives for the good of others that shows, again, elements of his beauty. But what this story misses is that we're also deeply flawed. We're broken. We're sinful. We've actually rejected the reign of God and, and, and looked to our own way and that sent distortion and brokenness and, yes, an element of ugliness throughout not only ourselves but the entire world. This false storyline also understands that there, there is brokenness. There are things that are wrong with the people and the circumstances and the structures around us. Like, that's true. But the problem is this story tells us that that's where we need to first apply our attention. Like, change other people, change society, change what's out there, and then you can start to be okay because then you're, you're kind of free to walk living out your own vision of what's beautiful. This misses the fact that the most fundamental problem in the world each of us should answer is me. I, I actually have a front row seat into the distortion and the brokenness and the sin in my own soul, and that's where I need to first pay attention before I try to move out into the world and change anything else. Uh, famously, G.K. Chesterton uh, replied to a newspaper uh, asking its audience, what's wrong with the world today? And he said very simply, dear sir, I am. Yours, G.K. Chesterton. Like, what if we took a little bit more of that perspective, starting with an understanding of my own brokenness, my own need for redemption? We would do much better to go the way of David in Psalm 27 to see the deficiency within ourselves and need that we have outside of ourselves and to go to God to plead with him to work. We see that David had a a year like 2020, or at least in this moment, it feels like that. If you you close your Bibles or have your phone handy, whatever else, uh, please open it back up to Psalm 27, and we'll be working through uh, much of the first five verses. Psalm 27. Just look at some of the things that that David was walking through. Verse 2, evildoers are assailing him, wanting to, to eat up his flesh, to destroy him. He has adver- adversaries and foes. Verse 3, an army is encamping against him. There's a war rising against him there at the end of verse 3. Like this is, this is a difficult time for him. He's facing hardship. But then look at the, the rhetorical questions in verse 1. He says, whom shall I fear? Of whom shall I be afraid? 
These are, these are meant to be a rhetorical device, basically saying, well, no one, because the Lord is my light and salvation. Like, he's with me. I'm, I, don't, I don't need to fear anything. But I, I think so often I find in my own life, and I know for many of us, we, we answer that question with so many different things. Of whom shall I be afraid? Well, where do we start? Uh, Trump supporters, progressives, coronavirus, critical race theorists, unemployment, disappointment, loss of a loved one, loneliness, infertility, unmet expectations, a hard marriage, a longing for a marriage, children who don't follow Jesus, missed opportunities, feeling left out or left behind, failing. The list goes on and on and on. There's so many things that are real, that are real. Real pockets of of pain and, and, and have validity to them. But where do we turn in the midst of that? David's pain was no less real. He didn't skip past it, but he knew where to turn in the midst of it. He knew where to go. Read with me all the way through the first four verses, Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. And get this in verse 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. This, friends, is the beautiful story that God is telling in the world. In fact, this is the, this is the story of Christmas. This is the, the story that Advent is meant to instruct us in, that there is a God who is working on our behalf and he invites us into relationship with himself, that true, ultimate, enduring beauty. It's not found within ourselves. It's not found in the right set of circumstances or environment. It's found in God alone. The, the, the fullness of all that is desirable as it's been defined is the beauty of God and we can find it only in him. See, when we buy into this vision that, that somehow our, our beauty needs to break out into the world or like things need to be better on the outside before I can be okay, like live a full life, then, then we're making God at best some sort of accessory, some sort of kind of tool for our lives. We're saying, here's my agenda. Here's what I, I say is gonna be good for me. And, and God, will you support that? Like, will you, you just kind of come alongside and bless the ideas and the plans, and the aspirations that I have, and not recognizing he is the, the one who is sovereign, ruling over our lives, and is the definition of beauty himself. The better, more attractive story is this. Our beautiful God, beautiful in himself from eternity past, has in love, in kindness, for the sake of his glory, created He's made humanity. He's made us to image him and to use our lives to love other people and to to enjoy a a flourishing world, representing who he is in a relationship with other people and with all of creation. And yet we we rejected his reign, we rejected his word, and so we're going to go elsewhere to try to find life to a different voice. We're going to define beauty differently. And that sent distortion and brokenness and ugliness through our own souls and also through the entire world, but though sinful, there's still whispers of beauty all around us. We experience it, we see it, we enjoy it. 
we miss what God is trying to do through these because we, we make those an end in and of themselves. Instead of saying those are, those are designed to pull us back up to the God who has made them, that, that testifies through creation that he is the good, true, and beautiful God. And this carries us all the way to Christmas where we see God working his rescue plan throughout history to bring us back into relationship with himself. For in a world that often tells us that our internal beauty must break out, we have a God whose beauty broke into our story. It broke into the ugliness and the distortion and the heartache and the difficulty. Whatever the year 2020 has held for you, he broke into that as the beautiful God and saying, I'm gonna walk the path of beauty and I'm gonna invite you into it. And by relationship to me, I will make you beautiful. This is where beauty is found. We have Emmanuel, God with us. God coming to make his dwelling, his presence with us as his people. You know, born in a manger, in humble circumstances, not anything that somebody would say, that, that's the desirable entrance into the world. Like that's, that's the way you want to live. Yet he walked this path, which is truly understood as the way of beauty, all the way to the cross, all the way to suffering, death, and in the, the most of humiliating of ways, so that, so that by putting our faith in Jesus, trusting in him, we may be made right with God to experience the beauty of God. Of course, we, we know that Though he suffered and died, he did not stay dead. But being perfect, death was not able to hold him. And he rose back to life, walking in the resurrection, inviting us into this same life to be satisfied by him. This is the way of beauty. It passes through a birth in a manger and through death on the cross and then through the empty tomb, being able to walk with this God. We may say, I, I, I want to be involved in that beauty. Like, I want to participate in that beauty, like the goodness and the satisfaction that God provides. Maybe we believe these things. We, we, we think these things to be true, but we don't feel them in our experience. Well, here's the invitation. I want to go back to verse 4 and see what, what David is walking in, what is seeking to walk in. Now that's an invitation for us. Verse 4, one thing. One thing have I asked of the Lord. I mean, this should blow our minds a little bit. Like recognizing some of the dimensions of his hardship right now. He's saying, yeah, 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 one thing. This is the one thing that I want. One thing that I've asked of the Lord. And that will I seek after. I'm not only going to ask you, but I'm going I'm to actively move toward it. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. He wants to be in the presence of God. He wants to see him, to experience him as good, to know his beauty. And so maybe this is a good starting point for us. You know, as we look back and we reflect on the past year and all the different layers to it and dimensions, uh, maybe even you're sitting there and you're like, I, I kind of feel guilty for how good 2020 has been. Like it's been hard for a lot of people. But even still, to, to take stock and say, what is the one thing that my heart is longing for? What do I need most of all as I step into a new year? To be in the presence of God. That's a carve out space through his word, through prayer, through slowing down, through different practices and rhythms, through relationship, through feasting and enjoyment, experiencing God through being with him. And then he goes on to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord 
to gaze upon his beauty. This is not just a kind of an intellectual assent to saying, yeah, God's way and his character, it's better. It's better, I know it's true. Like I've, I've read about it, I've heard about it, I've you know, believed it for a long time. But to gaze upon this beauty, to consider, to have it roll around in our minds and our souls and our, uh, you know, in our conversation with other people that God's way is better. Like he is beautiful. All the competing visions about what is good, what's gonna satisfy me, what's gonna kind of pull me towards satisfaction, to hold out before ourselves again and again and, and, and in sustained ways, consistent ways, God is beautiful. He's the definition of beauty. Any other understanding or definition of it, I can, I can turn from and go to him instead. And then last, to inquire in his temple. So when things continue to not make sense, things are still hard. We're longing for things, we're pleading with him, to continue to go before him and ask, and, and ask God to, to, to show up, to provide clarity and direction, a sense of his presence. We don't feel him to be good and beautiful, to, to ask him to do that, and we do it again and again and again. So this is our invitation as we nearly close out this year and, and step into a new one, to, to slow down and be with Jesus, be with the God who loves you. Uh, to, to, to see that he is beautiful. What he says is beautiful. It's enriching for our lives, even if it doesn't feel that way in the short run. And then where things continue to make sense, especially after the year that we've had, to inquire in his temple, to inquire and ask in his presence again and again. Well, here, walking in that, we're not only secure, but we also find life. Now, let's finish with verse 5. David says this, for he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. We have protection and safety and a covering in Jesus. And not only that, but we have true life. We have the invitation to drink deeply of who Jesus is. We have the participation in his resurrection and that forever. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, thank you that you are the resurrection and the life. Thank you that you are the, the satisfier of our souls. You, you walked the way of beauty. Uh, though our, our world has misunderstood it, we continue to misunderstand it. For ourselves, we often misunderstand you and, and what you're calling us to. But may we see you as beautiful. May we see the beauty that is laid before us for how we make sense of things, for how we have a an identity and a purpose and meaning and direction. It, it comes from you. It comes from your words, your life, your presence, to be able to see you, to walk with you. So may that be true for us. It may be increasingly true, even during the season, especially during the season, where we look particularly to our longings for Christ, for you to come. So may you, by your spirit, uh, enter in even now as we long for you. For this in Jesus' name, amen.